0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and welcome along to episode 93 of the Sofa Manager Scottish Football Podcast and on this week's show we have uh, a smorgasbord of topics Uh, John has kindly put together a PowerPoint of uh, some of the new kits that have uh, come out from the Scottish team so far so we'll be going through that and analysing the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, thoroughly recommended you go for the video podcast on YouTube this week but we'll also describe it in detail for our audio listeners as well. Uh, We are also going to be looking at uh, Pat Evans' recent autobiography. Paul, myself, uh, read that over the holidays so I'll be giving that review Uh, John also being in London will be reviewing uh, the Euro 2020 experience um, and our thoughts on the last 16 and uh, as well as that we'll be covering Billy Gilmore's recent transfer and some of Stephen O'Donnell's comments this week as well as a smattering of other topics around Scottish football. Anyway uh, joining me as host this week. It is the man who's out of the town spotting uh, different football shorts in the gym, whatever you're into. Uh, it is John Brown. Hello, John. Hello, Paul. How are we? I'm good. It's exciting to hear you're in the gym. Uh, actually, your Instagram story the other day was quite funny. Would you like to tell listeners when when that was taken?
1: Well, I decided to go to the gym for the kind of first half of the England-Ukraine game. Yeah, it was Saturday night. Nice and quiet, falling off.
0: Oh, that you got <laughs> access to all the machines you wanted, <laughs> and it was a great screen on the treadmill. Not going to lie.
1: I know. I just sat on the bike and watched the first half. It was a kind of good way to kind of get rid of the all kind of negative energy. <laughs> after Harry Kane scores after four minutes, so you just pedal harder.
0: I'm pretty sure the cadence would have increased uh, after those few. Uh, and myself, a resident PSG fan and Fly Emirates shirt collector, <laughs> Paul Menzies. That's not true. I don't buy Arsenal shirts, sir. You got a fly Emirates shot recently. You got a Benfica one, didn't you?
1: Uh, I've got a few now. I've got Benfica, AC Milan. I've got a few for them, and Real Madrid, I think, as well.
0: The whole feature to be had. Anyway, this nice. podcast <laughs> is in no way endorsed more <laughs> <We're> sponsored <laughs> by said flight merchants. Anyway, let's get straight on with things, shall we? Great. Eh, uh, want was that? Where do we to start? Euro 2020 a good place to start? I'll
1: get out of the road pretty quick.
0: I watched the first three minutes of the England game and gave up. Oh, uh, I turned
1: off after four, so you're done better than you.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, they, they absolutely smashed Ukraine, obviously. Um, and what, what, the first goal was one of the easiest goals I've just ever seen scored in my life, and Ukraine just were, were terrible, mm. uh, which sucks. Uh, did you actually watch the previous round against Sweden at all? I've watched the vast
1: majority of games. Old enough, that's one I kind of missed. Did you see the VAR decision in that? I did. Um, you know, it's, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> all the listeners are Pauls just screaming blue murder <laughs> into, the sil- <laughs> into the void of silence. Like, um, oh, shocking it's, decision. It's it- the thing is, like I mean, the broadly speaking, the officiating has been really quite good over the tournament. But VAR, again, just kind of comes into it every now and again. It was the same with the penalty shootout with Spain and Switzerland. You know, right. every time there was a penalty, there was that kind of moment of hesitation to see was he really off his line, was he not? Because mm-hmm. VAR's obviously checking it in the background. So you lose a little bit in that kind of moment. But overall, I think it's been absolutely fine. Um, it's...
0: Yeah, the, uh, the Sweden decision bugged me because he got the ball... Mm-hmm. and like you know these sort of things happen the other bad one was have you seen the clip of it is it Ciro Immobile who was down diving about rolling on the ground
1: yeah for Italy's first goal and then Absolutely shocking
0: jumps up uh we'll come back to oh. that later Pat Evan has some interesting comments in his book <laughs> about uh, such play uh that really bugs me like i do think they need to start being much firmer now with like booking that sort of behavior mm-hmm. and like it, even if you're approaching the referee making all these angry just just start booking folk and re- even setting yellow and red carding folk for it because it is it's getting on everyone's nerves really and no one is supporting an endorsing of that anyway um so the the uh, this tournament winds me up because I honestly think this is the weakest tournament there has been in quite some time. Um... It's, it's
1: not worked out the way I think UEFA wanted it to work out and that you now have loads of nations participating, travelling all over Europe and Asia for nothing because there's no fans there. So there's no purpose to the bringing all these different countries together. They should have just said, we'll just have it in England. Uh, or we'll just have it in Germany who are actually hosting the next one
0: well I mean it's worked out pretty well for the English let's They're not right, lie they've,
1: they've had the vast majority of their home games apart from obviously just on Saturday there at home at Wembley with a very partisan crowd and you can see the same for Denmark all three home games were in, in Copenhagen that again well, helped in the last game for sure um, and again Italy most of their games have been in Rome so there's been a kind of weird imbalance, I think, throughout the tournament, and likewise for travelling, it's just been outrageous. Mm. So, uh, I don't think we want to remember particular if they win it, and in which case it's just this year never happened. Like, honestly, I'll, I'll that's it. I'm packing my bags and coming up if they win it.
0: Well, at the end of the day, it's not a World Cup, <laughs> you know, just saying it is Euros, um, and it is long overdue for a footballing nation like that. Um, Again, this to me is not, you know. I think of the England squad that went to the World Cup in two thousand and six, for example. You know, Lampard, Gerard, Rooney, Terry, like just that. Though that squad to me was just a level above what they currently have. Like, I think there are good guys in the team, but they're not. They're not there yet. Um, I,
1: mean, I don't think we've been. We've well, we been disrespectful. England haven't played a big nation yet in this tournament. Because Croatia were, well, no, nah, even then, like, I mean, that Germany squad is nowhere near the level it was even sort of at the World Cup. You know, in fact, they weren't even at the World Cup, Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, they, they really haven't played a, a, a nation who's actually doing really well. They haven't played a France, they haven't played a Spain, they haven't played Portugal, you know, they haven't played Italy, which they probably will meet in the final. Well, the problem they is. They tested that defence.
0: The problem is, I actually think you can poke holes in, you know, Spain. You can poke holes in Portugal. You certainly could poke holes in France. Mm-hmm. Um, Kylian Mbappe, you're no longer the best player in the world, in my opinion, by the way. Um, not having the metal to slide away that final penalty, or indeed, another three chances. He's glorified Darren Mackie, actually, John. You know, uh, well, you know why
1: he saying. never scored a single goal in this tournament?
0: He's a chicken. No, why?
1: Oh, I had him as golden ball winner.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I can always rely on John's gambling to uh, to put a player absolutely. down.
1: Screw you over, no oh, doubt.
0: It seems that Italy are probably our best hope uh, for finalists. I actually think Denmark have been playing really, really well, though. Um, as you say, I don't know whether the Ericsson thing has given them a massive boost, but that Dolberg guy... Is it Dolberg? Dol- Dol yeah, Kasper
1: Dolberg. He yeah. looks an absolutely unbelievable player.
0: Sensational. Uh, so again, I don't think we had actually seen England play that well. Uh, I thought Germany was Germany were honking against them the other week. That's like,
1: what just... I'm Germany were really really poor, but they still had chances. Like honestly, if you go at that England defense think they're goals to be had against them. You've seen that even against Ukraine, and Ukraine were finding gaps between kind of Kyle Walker and John Stones, mm-hmm. and that kind of right side defence. You know, a better team. If you watched Italy play against Belgium and the style of play and the intricacy in the kind of final third, honestly, they would tear England apart in that kind of area. And that's if they go for it. It's a different mentality when you're playing a big team versus big team. So, it, in my opinion, it's England's to lose. It, it is.
0: Lose, but uh, huge advantage England. being at Wembley the whole way. Um, and then Italy. Are missing I think Spirit Zola now and you wonder, it'll be interesting to see because bookings and things will start to come into this um, with who's able to play in some of these later fixtures Yep. Um, so we'll see how they do against Denmark Italy are playing Spain, España Spain could have essentially be the final so to speak um, uh, and again Italy group stages, everyone had them all, comp- all conquering and it took them extra time against switzerland no poland. not switzerland poland is it poland uh, so yeah all to play for uh, i was really hoping that you were going to put them out because again there was some chat going around on twitter with uh, it was like the graphic that was on bbc news of who england would play in the next round and then the final Um, so it was like England, Czech Republic, Denmark and then who they'd played the final and of course it wasn't England or Ukraine it was just England so people were we're were like tweeting that remind me of this at like 11 o'clock GMT which sadly didn't come back to bite them but we always keep our fingers crossed Uh, it's incredibly hard in tournament football Uh, do they have the mentality? no, because I think again a lot of people were pretty disappointed with the first half performance after they scored and it was quite pedestrian. Um, and Kane's just not not looking
1: up to him. He's not 100% there. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's had a few goals. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the other three goals in that game, but it was like the part of the waves uh, for the kind of defending two kind of crosses in particular, the three headers, Harry Maguire's in particular was an embarrassment for Ukraine at the back. Really horrendous sort of marking in the box. Uh, the same kind of hurricanes as well. So I don't think you can take a huge amount away from the game. Yes, England dominated. No questions about it. But you have to look at who they were playing. It wasn't all that much. Denmark will give them a far harder game. It just depends if Denmark can handle the situation and handle the atmosphere. In much the same way, can England handle it? Um, I I'm not sure. That uh, this is this is now their test. Like England have now got to the stage they expect to be at. Can they handle that expectation now?
0: That's the thing. The further forward you get, the more confident you get, the more experience these guys get. Um, but yeah, they. I don't think at any point they've had to be on the front foot. As you say, the waves just parted open. Ukraine just yeah. wanted them to
1: score. They've they've not they've never had to chase a game. They've never been tested to a large extent. So these are two big things that are, are yet to kind of come into it. I mean, we, they
0: don't they? We we tested them.
1: we the I think we're the only nation they haven't scored against.
0: Ah, but they were feared to so, the Scots, John. They were feared to the Scots. If
1: Denmark have anything to learn? Just need to watch Stevie Clark's tactics, you and go. that, you're good to go because you've got a better attack than us.
0: <laughs> so if you had to pick a if you had to pick a winner, right now, who do you go for of the whole um, tournament?
1: out of the four I mean I'm still with Italy I think they I just I just like them so much Like.
0: I'm going to I'm going go to they're, Sp- they're,
1: they're, they're our biggest hope to coach Star I'm, Wars
0: I'm going to go with <laughs> I'm going to go with Spain just because I think there's surprises along the way uh,
1: if Spain get to the final you would be so handing in England the trophy
0: I don't know I don't know I. Uh, that's the thing about Spain is because nobody expects anything from them they're coming from that good position of being the sort of sneaky underdogs that No one really rates, so yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting position for them to be. We shall see. Uh, Speaking of uh, international midfielders, it was announced this week that Billy Gilmore has a big move uh, on loan to Norwich City. Did you see this news pop up in the last couple of days? Indeed, I
1: am actually tempted to put Grant Hanley to get more than ten goals this season. All the the... corner crosses for Billy Gilmore, all the kind of uh, corners, right?
0: I don't don't know. I think this is an interesting move and I actually think this is quite a risky move for him to take um, in his development because, uh, for a start, did you see the news of his mum refused to touch the green part of the Norwich scarf?
1: That is the pettiest thing I've ever seen. Get a grip! (laughs) Get a grip! Just as long as it's not the scarf
0: (laughs) one. Well, that, that too. Um... That to me is just utterly mental, utterly bizarre. But it made a lot of people very happy. So, you know, can't wait to see him at a Celtic top when his career nosedives. Um
1: Just to clarify, this is not a Celtic top if you're just joining this, it's a quenky top.
0: Can I see? See when you sat down and like the umbro is quite reminiscent of like an old It's like, it looks
1: like an old retro
0: top. I was kinda of
1: like whoa, it, does do wear it or not.
0: It does it. Um Anyway, so I did a bit of research on Billy Gilmore because everyone lauded him as the next saviour of Scotland after that England game. I personally didn't see it and personally thought that Mason Mount was actually slightly better than in that game. So I was looking up the stats because Chelsea are known obviously for going through loan players like there's no tomorrow and like yep. sending these guys out 10, 11 times. Um, and they never really feature in the squad, and they leave at like 27, 28 when their is done. It's not been so bad in recent history, but I was thinking about, right, who are the only people that have really gotten the team from loan moves? And the people that stuck out to me were Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham in recent history. Yeah,
1: you wouldn't be far away. I think, I don't know uh, if Reese James ever went in loan, or if he was just introduced into the squad. There was what? a few, there was a few you kinda of thought mate, I kind of made it and just never really kind of got there. The the guy's names went completely out of my head. Is a kind of sitting on my fielder. Oh, it'll come back to me. I remember watching him. I actually went to see Chelsea play Nottingham Forest and the FA Cup well, when you were like back in a stadium. And at that kind of thing they were playing kind of like fringe players, I'm sure Marata played as well.
0: All right.
1: Um, he may have been at Chelsea at the time. Uh it was it was bizarre, but there was a few kind of French players you thought might have kinda of made it and you, you're right, they they either let them go and then buy them back for significantly more money than what they could have maybe like kind of just kept a hold of them for. So I'll be it'll be interesting to kinda of see what kind of works for Billy. It's like you say, it is a risky move, particularly going to Norwich who were they won't have a good season. Like
0: No. And um, for the type of player he is you know, he needs a lot of passes in. He needs a lot of attacking options. Because I think he's he's got the passing range. He does have that, have that ability. But yeah. whether or not it play that way. But I was looking up the stats of like Mount and Abraham. And both of them did incredibly well at championship teams, to be fair. I think like Mount had like 16 goals for Derby. Abraham scored for fun. Like, see, Aston Villa had like 27 goals and like 35 yeah. appearances. And I'm thinking to myself, right, that's the bar for you to try and get in this team. And uh, if he achieves that, brilliant. But I was also reading up, how many times has Billy Gilmore actually played in his entire professional career? uh, Like 12 times. For Celtic, it's like 11, 12. I think total, including Cups, appearances and things, he's played like 22 competitive games. Three of those are like full internationals, (laughs) by the way. Jesus. And there's an interesting bit in his Wikipedia profile when the Chelsea offer came in, and Malky Mackay, you know, the the thinking man that he is, um, said to his parents not to take the Chelsea offer, stick at Rangers, you'll get more first-team football. Um, And I, I don't think he was wrong in saying that, and apparently Rangers did want to take him on loan as well um and a lot of people said under Gerard, you know that maybe wouldn't have been such a bad thing either um i
1: think you yeah, had a few options yeah certainly rangers was one of them and if rangers do get the champions league if, let's say for example billy gilmore did go to rangers rangers getting the champions League group stages that's unbelievable sort of exposure and experience for billy gilmore mm-hmm. i'm fully confident leads were in for him as well right which, you know, that would be my like, number one choice to watch Billy Gilmore develop under Marco Bielsa in that Leeds team would just be phenomenal. I think he cool. would yeah. have fitted absolutely perfectly into that team just for the sort of stellar play, the the speed and intensity of the kind of passing. I would have been absolutely brilliant to see. And same again, if it's would stayed at Chelsea and tried to fight for his place, I mean, there's talk of him being the kind of long-term replacement for Jorginho. And same again, you know, he's got Angola Cante to kind of like work off as well. I think that's where he gets the kind of work rate kind of from so he's obviously learning from those guys. I don't know who's gonna gonna get that kind of thing off at Norwich. He's gonna get first time first team experience, but who's he gonna sort of learn and develop off? Because it's like Kenny McLean is there like kind of start midfielder. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's a slightly kind of different kind of ambition level in there. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's a strange, strange move and I'm I think we're all just kind of really worried that it doesn't work out and then that's just a regressed player. But it's it's one to kind of watch and you know, but I think we'll all take a serious interest in it.
0: Yeah, I do think it's make or break, and I'm glad he's getting out there and getting some more first team football. I think it would have been great if he got this like, early. So, so do want, I'll, I'll cut to the Pat Nevin chat just now. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, do you know where? Okay, you're familiar with Pat Nevin, footballer, yes, sure. Chelsea all these years, now pundit for Five Live mainly. Guttingly, not enough on Scottish television.
1: Yeah,
0: it's for um, So, read his autobiography. Do you know where he got started? In his professional footballing career,
1: uh, he spent some time at Motherwell, but I'm not too sure if that's where he started.
0: So that was the end of his career. He started yeah. at Clyde, and what oh, okay. was then? I think they won. They won the second oh, division or something like that. Second division. Yeah, I got a bit confused because it was all a bit different back then.
1: Aye, that would have been the equivalent of the championship. Aye, it would have been bigger leagues back then as well.
0: But. Um, this is going to be a roundabout point because, in terms of review of the book, it's fantastic. If you are a football fan who um, you know has an appreciation for the game, but was never really a good player yourself, I think you'll find a lot to relate about this because he's not—he's not your atypical footballer—and um, kind of thinks that f- he comes at things from a very different perspective. For example, um, when he started playing his professional career. He had offers from loads of interesting teams to come and train, he had a trial at like Leeds and stuff, um, who were very good at the time, um, but he was like, nah, I'm quite enjoying my university course. Um, it was some sort of business degree, funny enough, um, so he was doing that at what then became Glasgow Cali. And then someone came up to him one day because his junior team he was playing for were just dominating Like even like reserve matches they were playing as bounce games against the professionals. They were smashing that. So Clyde manager at the time was Craig Brown, of all
1: people. Sorry.
0: Who was himself a university lecturer. So he went up to Pat and said, like, do you want to play for us? I was like, no, nah, I'm quite enjoying my uni course. Uh, so I'm just going to stick with that. He was like, well, that doesn't pay very well. How about if I just give you like 80 quid a game Extra money in your pocket. We trade one night a week, play the game on the Saturday, jobs are good. In. And I was like, all right, all right, <laughs> I'll start playing for you. But he got heaps of game time at Clyde. Uh, you know, he was, you know, a, it took him a few months to make his way into the team, but he played 30, 40 games in the first two seasons of his career. Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, even see like Kenny McLean at St. Mirren and Aberdeen, loads of games into his teens, John McGinn played, again, a lot in his late teens, and at the end of the day, it counts, you know, this is experience, and especially these top, top talents seem to be incubated far too much these days. I uh, like the uh, one they've gone
1: through, like, the school of hard knocks. I mean, I don't think anyone, I think Andy Robertson's probably the best example we have in that current Scotland, like, setup. They to say you've went through amateur football to Dun United for a season, which would have been absolute, just, to the wall of that team because there's some characters in that as well so, oh, but they know, were
0: they were they, at the time the perfect mix of youth and experience and they were right. a fantastic team it's such a shame all that kind of fell apart
1: and so quickly as well even if that would taken a like another season it'd be interesting to see what that would have developed into but nevertheless he gets his move down to England he cuts his teeth in the championship and then he progresses up into the, the premiership And he's probably one of the best left-backs in the world. So you are right. There's a lot to be said about having sort of first-team experience and and getting game time uh, in the kind of professional setup rather than kind of farting about in the under-23s in the English Premier League, which is is
0: nothing. It's a kick about. like Reserve games and that does nothing for you. That's that's my only trepidation about Billy Gilmore is I just don't think he's got enough first-team games. And you know, if you have a bad season, you're you're pretty much done when you're that age of the game, aren't you? Derek McInnes also wanted to take him alone in Aberdeen, I think, was politely told <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> ambiguous. Yes, uh, so that, did, that didn't quite pan out uh, a season ago. So, we'll uh, we'll see how he gets on up there. Shall I give you the rest of my thoughts on the book while I'm here? Yeah, why not? So. Pat Devon, right? accidental footballer is the title. Signed for the man himself. Now, I don't know if you can see that, John. Would you have identified that as Pat Nevin's signature?
1: Nah, um, I'm not going to tell you what I think it looks like.
0: Well, you know, who knows? We won't won't authenticate that um, here and now, but that was interesting. But no, a fantastic book. Uh, It kind of covers mainly his footballing times. Uh, He grew up a big Celtic fan, uh, being, you know, Patrick going to the Catholic school and things like that. Uh, he was saying actually he played in a really cool penalty competition um, and he got all the way to the, f- the final so he got to take penalties at Celtic Park as a schoolboy in a Scottish Cup final I think Celtic were playing Airdrie at the time that oh, uh, would going far back well it, it, it was I think it was this was maybe the early 70s um, but I, in the Cup final it was him and this other lad and of course like Patrick from Our Fair Ladies. RC <laughs> primary school got a fair <laughs> amount of cheering, and the other guy who went to the non-denominational primary school got a fair amount of booing. And I was like, for like some school kids, that's absolutely not. But um, yeah, it is such an interesting read. In that everything you know about modern football, this is essentially the total opposite. Like, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stories about like real hard men, like playing against Terry Butcher and stuff like that. Mm. Um, he always said that, that I think Stuart Pearce, he was like, was proper scary because he was just a nutter. Um, Still is. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the thing. Um, but aside from the football and stuff, which again is really interesting because he played for Chelsea in a time where Chelsea weren't the Chelsea we know today. Um, and then he went to play for Everton, who were nearly a superpower. He talks a bit about Duncan Ferguson as well. Duncan yeah. Ferguson's hilarious. He just has. No filter right. at all. Um I won't spoil many of the stories, but the main thing about it as well is he's super his nice music. We've spoken before about he does a bit of DJing and stuff on the side. Yeah. Um and and his one of his Chelsea contracts was basically, I'm only gonna play the first forty-five minutes of this friendly so I can get away to like a new order concert uh in the second half of the tournament. I was like, <laughs> right. this guy's crazy. Uh I think you'd appreciate it cuz he talks a lot about like living in London and stuff mm. and the f- the people he bumps into is insane like he was talking about a scottish comedian i think who was con- controversially known at the time as adolf uh something or other was his stage name it wasn't really working out for him here so he went abroad that was craig ferguson um you know who did like late, oh, late?
1: these the late show out in the us so um, he he knew him the least scottish man of all time right? when you listen to him
0: he is quite scottish no, he does sound scottish i would disagree ah, with what? that i think he sounds scottish he um, Scottish
1: as Sean Connery like. I, well, I
0: don't know but um he he knew him which was really cool And then like radio one djs he was in with and uh he went and met morrissey and stuff like that when he lived in liverpool so so he just he lived this double life and had all these you know incredibly famous people friends who just just happened to gravitate towards but no he he has a very unique perspective on the game Um, one that I don't think exists now like he played probably more beautiful football at the time which is the football we kind of try to play now the more technical uh, less physical side of the game Hmm. um but yeah really good book thoroughly recommend especially if you have any interest in alternative 1980s music um, he's really into all that so my my dad's albums and things i kind of recognize most of the bands who are very like random simple minds and stuff like that um but he touches on more serious issues as well like because uh, he came through like the celtic boys club and things like that and um, accusations and things of kind of since come from then convictions and things like that so he's quite honest about that. Mm. Um, but as well his dad came to every game he played and everything like that. And um you know just just the way they were brought up. Like primary school football was like the biggest deal ever. And um,
1: yeah that's the thing that always gets me like when you read like he speak to these kind of sort of players from a certain generation like obviously part never and maybe into the eighties and probably the nineties as well. Like school football is just a massive, massive thing. Like when we were at school, there was this it was irrelevant. There was absolutely nothing. There was no leagues. There was no no, no games at all. It was I don't but know if this... it all kind of stopped. Like
0: well, this brings like he, he, the thing is like what he was saying like these primary school teachers and stuff like that would give up their nights for training and then they'd give up their Saturdays for the game and stuff like that as well. Now, obviously, because of things that have come to light and stuff recently, you kind of have a a better perspective on this. However, there's no doubt that that bred some fantastic footballers. And... Yeah,
1: it's just, it's just you get the kind of natural talent just appears out of the schools rather than like forcing them to train on a Tuesday night, like.
0: But that's the thing, the The school structure works well in that you keep these guys local. So, you know, they're not going to have to out, you know, a train somewhere random. Uh, and They used to have really good systems as well, which still kind of goes on. But you would play for, like, the the regional team if you did really well. So, like, you know, in Falkirk, you'd play for the Falkirk team. In West Lothian, you'd play for the West Lothian team. And it's a sort of, like, mini international setup, if that makes sense. On like a regional level,
1: I, you would have your kind of council districts play each other in a in a kind of league or a tournament. I, yeah. It's a shame that doesn't exist. I mean, I think it would beat any kind of irrelevant sort of performance school. Just have a normal school with a normal league. Like
0: totally. Yeah. I was thinking about this today um, and see these SFA performance schools and stuff like that. I think they're isolating. Like you're, you're really well. It's not inclusive. You know, yeah. to everybody.
1: You either look at a very good football player at the age of twelve, and then you are immediately like, like taken from the herd, and you know you're. I've been watching too much Clarkson's farm. You just like <laughs> you take them away from the herd, and you like that's you. you. You kind of keep them to themselves, and it's like you just kind of breed a very good sort of, very small group of players. If none of them work out, you have an entire year group of duds, and then that's you can't even, we can't even afford that. When you just have it like when you just have a school system, I mean, somebody might develop a little bit better than they're like fourteen, fifteen year old. And they might sort of build like into a better centre back, you know, if they sort of grow taller, get sort of broader eh, shoulders and that, you know, versus somebody who's you know, uh twelve, thirteen year old who's just a skinny wee boy, like
0: But you raise a good point in that you miss out on maybe there's someone interested in swimming at like twelve or thirteen, I, but becomes a tremendous athlete, but because they just they weren't in the chain early enough, you're left out because yeah.
1: I mean are you gonna really turn down a guy who say, like, say he was into rugby, right? So I say to you link um, when we've seen like Scott McKenna. So you know the equivalent of Scott McKenna who up to like the age of fourteen, fifteen maybe plays football a little bit on the side, but his main sport up to a certain age is rugby. And then he goes, Mark well, I'm actually no bad football player. I'd look quite good as either like a defensive midfielder or as a, a defender. But he's he's too late, you know, he's he can't get into these kind of performance schools anymore. You know, you can't exactly just rock up at some kind of random Sunday League team at your age. You know, it just it just doesn't work. So that guy's lost and he could have been the next big thing. That's that's the sad bit about it all.
0: No, I, it would be fantastic. I mean, he does talk about in his book the reason that that all stopped was the teachers eventually were all went on like a work to rule and stuff like that because of you know they had pay disputes and things like that not related to the actual football side of things but other things and then it kind of tailed off after that and i i i think that's fair as well you can't be expected to give up your evenings and your fridays but that could be supported and i think the SFA would do well to direct their attention elsewhere than say performance schools and things like that, because as well, if see if you're seriously channeling performance stuff like that, and I know this happens in other sports as well, like athletics and stuff, will probably be much the same. You know, are these guys really living much of a life? Because uh, the school we went to was a an SFA performance school, yeah. Yeah, yeah at the time
1: it was I grew up High
0: Grim High. Did you ever see any of the guys that were in it in any of your classes? Nope. Now, that's not a life. Like the thing about these kids going off to be football, especially young footballers, kinda of probably are lacking quite a lot of maturity because they've not They've not led a, norm, a normal life up until that um, point. They're
1: not in the kind of school of hard knocks. Like
0: happening like, in the corridor. <laughs> it's not necessarily a school of hard knocks. That's <laughs> not what I'm saying. <laughs> You're not gonna be out there getting bullied and stuff like that. But like it's just the social interactions you have with other people and things like that. It's uh, even a sort of broader education. Uh, I think especially these days, well, Good example, uh, Mark McGuigan, uh, who was a Muir striker, he was discovered essentially at university football. Uh, fantastically unusual, actually, um, in this day and age. I do not know many university pu- footballers that went pro. Um, I-, I know there must be some, like Danny Denholm example, at East Fife, is a PE teacher, so there must have been a bit of crossover in there. Yeah. But Mark uh, played for a number of teams across Scotland, like Partick Thistle, Stenhousemuir. He was going to sign for his fife, uh, but he's patched that in to go and do his PhD as um, you do <laughs> this year. But was a tremendous footballer throughout those years, anyway. Um, and I, that's the thing. I just feel like the pool in this day and age is so closed to all these other avenues that you just you needed to. I don't know. There's two trains of thought here. Because I think to be a, a brilliant footballer you're a brilliant footballer, you do need to live, sleep, eat and breathe it. Like it needs to be your be all and end all. Like especially when you're younger. Exam. Yeah. Yeah. Um but Yeah, I, th- you need I you think have a balance. You do you, you
1: can't do one or the other. Like you can't you can't isolate these guys like we've kind of said, and expect them to kind of become really good at footballers. Because I don't, I don't know if anyone who's kind of came through those performance skills that have actually went on to become both well, certain internationals. I know, like for ourselves, we know the Craig Sibbled as a an established Scottish Premiership player. How
0: did that? How did that turn out? Living, boy was
1: for Livingston. Uh, I mean, he, and...
0: he was too feared to go down south and like actually try and make it.
1: Yeah, down he's there. Been, I think he spent too much time with Falkirk when he. He had all the kind of technical potential and I, I don't know what kind of well you know maybe maybe and that's that's what kind of caused it but that, that's the best example we can kind of see so he is the only individual that we know who's done anything like to, to make a professional career out of football and he's the only one i can't think of anyone else who's came out of any other academy and i can kind of point to them and say that's an example
0: yeah so I think I think what we're saying is that I, spe- I would touch on the accessibility point in particular because um, which what Pat and Evan actually talks in his book, one of the boys who signed for Chelsea came up to him and went, oh right Pat, you remember me? He was like, no. I And the, they played for the same junior team um, and this wee lad couldn't get a game. He was on the bench the whole time and he was like, "Of all the people I wouldn't have expected to be a professional footballer, it was him. Mm-hmm. And you think of you know when I was at school I was not the greatest footballer you know went to the trials would make the fringe sort of you know would make the bench and stuff like that but who knows with the right nurturing I could have gone on to be a tremendous professional footballer and um, well, you
1: said if you were in a performance school in a performance <laughs> environment you you could be playing for each Fife <laughs>
0: I tell you, anyone probably could be playing in the Scottish lower divisions with a reasonable amount of athleticism um, and practice and technical ability. But oh, footballer, basically. I, but like I think that the whole system needs to be looked at. I think schools is an excellent way to start because currently it is a mess. And once At one time it was the backbone of Scottish football development and at that time we were excellent players. Uh, we were putting out fantastic international footballers who played in all the major uh, teams. Uh, that's kind of fallen by the wayside, and it's just a pain. Like the the whole pro youth systems kind of mixed up, and then um, you've then got kind of junior teams before that, which is kind of it looks expensive to me, like buying all these kits, ferrying at them all the games, all these different trophies and stuff like that, and. They're often run by really bitter folk <laughs> as wow. well, um, and uh, all credit to them because giving up any uh, your amount of time to to go and do that is fantastic. And you've risen, um, raised the point quite often as well about the number of pitches um, and the correlation to sort of footballing prowess. And uh, <laughs> well currently in Falkirk, they're letting the grass grow <laughs> in different places with the looks of things. So they yeah, I mean, can't be bothered. Like yeah make it more accessible you know put some money reach out in the right places get a structure in a place where everyone can access right now that is the schools um and go from there because i don't think i don't think they're reaching enough people just now and i it works
1: it works in all directions i mean even if even if these guys don't turn out to be football players they're still going to be football fans they're probably still going to go through the turnstiles i mean me and you, I, mean, I was absolutely hopeless at football. I told my ACL try to play five a side. That's how bad that was. But yeah, you know, I'm hooked on the game, so I'm still gonna go week in, week out to watch a game literally anywhere. I mean, this Saturday I'm gonna watch Welling United against Gillingham in pre-season games. Yeah, yeah. Why? They like the game. You know, like it's an easy way to get these kind of just get these kids kind of hooked on the game as well as is playing it, you know, you, you pick up an interest in the sport in general. And yeah, you, know, you just see where it goes. So, yep. There we go. We've solved it. We Nick, give us a call. Well, we're available. <laughs> I was about we to about say the pandemic.
0: I feel like we're kind of shouting into an echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> and that you know, yeah, buddy, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, fantastic. High five. We've solved the whole problem. And a lot of people will be sitting right now who've played a lot more football than us over all those different levels who will have vastly different opinions. Um so if you have another solution or you think this is the wrong solution politely <laughs> leave a comment below and we can have an academic discussion as to the way forward this is just a suggestion it is not uh, gospel by any uh, way shape or form uh, but no interesting chat accidental footballer thoroughly recommend uh, maybe not the same copy i'm sure there's audiobook versions and stuff as well so go for that uh, speaking of your interest in football uh, we have wonderful, delightful kits that are uh, coming out across Scotland. You've got your Shapacuensi, I've got my Paris Saint-Germain, So we haven't gone very local <laughs> for <No>. our <laughs> kit choices this evening. Uh, but I believe John, you have uh, aggregated some of the kits that have been released thus far in a little a presentation uh, for us to look through and comment on. So I will, I will leave you to take it from here.
1: Indeed. Yeah. I mean. I've spent like the last kind of couple of days going through like every single team in the Scottish Leagues to see who's actually released their kits. Um, some have, some haven't. Um, so I think what we'll do over the next kind of couple of episodes, we'll kind of drip feed them through. So I've picked two from the Premiership, two from the Championship and two from League One because League Two somehow have released nothing. Like there's either very little information on the new kit or I just can't find it. Uh, either way, not great, so I'll, I'll kind of pull them through over the next kind of couple of weeks and we can decide um, whether we would buy it, so yep, 100% we'll pay the full RRP, or we'll think about maybe sort of buying it in the sales, or it can get in the bin, we don't think right. it, then again, right. get to, so we'll, that's the kind of, we'll, we'll aim for those kind of three kind of tiers, and uh, we'll see how this goes, and we'll see if I don't crash Zoom uh, trying to share my screen, which is... <sighs>
0: Okay, whilst, whilst George tries to share the screen, I'll mutter away because I know when I tried to do this the other week, there was like radio silence. Oh, um, is that showing on your screen? It is, showing on my oh, screen. There
1: we go, there we go. I, I'm, I'm pressed by my laptop. Like, do you want to describe have?
0: what is in front of us for our audio listeners? We
1: have in front of us, dear audio listeners? <laughs> <It's laughs> We've got the Dundee Home and Away kit. Um, home kit is actually quite nice. Uh, I quite like the template. It's like a kind of navy blue where a kind of, I don't call that kind of. It's, a, it's, like, a, a, it's like bricks a ish. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting kind of pattern. You might see it on some kind of corrugated metal on the floor. Not as bad as the Fokker <laughs> one last season, if you remember that. It's you more a square, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's quite nice and it's got kind of light blue and white kind of trim on the collar and sleeves. Yeah. And then kind of bright blue sponsoring badge, which I think really makes it kind of pop. You know, not to sound, yeah, I should work in marketing, man. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. I would buy that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, the way kit as well is very similar, but it's a um, it's the baby um, blue accent color that the, the home kit has,
1: yeah. So it's kind of the inverse of it. Um, but both are cracking, they're actually like really, really nice kits.
0: I would have an almighty trouble picking between them, uh, if I was yeah. a Dundee fan. This is probably what the ones I brought up to the shop and buying them both. <laughs> um, like, I really like... So these are, what, Macron? Macaron? Macron kits, yep. Uh, I've always kind of liked them. They've done some interesting stuff with the Hibs kits in recent times as well. I mm. uh, really like how the logos um, fit with the colour scheme as well. So a lot of teams are pretty stubborn about not changing their logo colours. Um, Dundee have done that. I'm always a big fan of anything baby blue. So uh, I would 100% go for the... The home one, but I think if you're a Dundee fan, you've got to you've got to get both of these. These are much better than the last seasons.
1: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, like I said, I think I'm, I'm just about taken by the away kit than the home kit. The only thing is the kind of collar of the the away kit. Hmm. I can't really mind if that's like a, almost a kind of polo shape or if it's just a kind of weird kind of. <laughs> it's but like a- way, I think it, looks- it fits a little bit better.
0: Yeah, it almost looks like it's buttoned, but it's not. So it's, yeah. uh, whereas the home kit's very traditional, it's just been sort it's, of yeah. round neck. Typical kind of collar
1: on that. So that, that's kind of Dundee. So we're saying oh, a chop well done, yeah. there. That's, that's absolutely not
0: yeah, bad. No nailed that, unfortunately. Shall we go across town now?
1: Yeah, we'll go across town too,
0: if I can get to work. I've not seen these yet. Uh, Dundee United is what we're going to be looking at. Uh, oh. Charlie Mulgrew. Oh. oh, there you go. <laughs> right. Okay, obviously, Charlie Mulgrew, I hate with a burning passion. Uh, Always have, always will. I have to concede, he's quite a stylish man. Um, So what we're currently looking at, Dundee United Home and Away Kit. Home Kit is orange with like black streaks that get bolder and bolder, which is kind of a gradient across the way. And then the Away Kit is like a paint splattered, uh, it's white with paint sort of splatterings of orange. But again, it's macaron as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they are an absolutely stellar job on this. They're both—they're almost like unique designs. Well, they are unique designs rather good than just working yeah. with templates. Uh, I think again, again, I would probably go for the away kit over the home kit.
0: Ooh. See, but it's, it's tough. That's yeah, a tough one. Orange again. Big fan of orange. Uh, black collar. Pretty good. Eden Mill have some marketing budget, by the way. Like, or no? I'm. I think. I'm thinking of the gin place. Why no way? We... Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I said, Rajin. Well, anyway, you see, Eden Mill on heaps of things. Yeah, I am. I am I'm. I'm kind of. Uh, it depends on what occasion. Because I think. All right. You know. <laughs> so if, you're to, if you're going to a wedding, what you wear? <laughs> I think you wear the home the home kit to a wedding. <laughs> so you can uh, go with the collar. You can yeah. wear a tie. Like. It's just a. It's a wee bit fancier. The away kit looks a bit more casual. It's a bit more training toppy, I would say.
1: Yeah, I would get that. No, I'm kind of with you there. Then but fill I, just, on, I, love kit. That. I love that design. I love the white and orange. I think that's fantastic.
0: So you are you're very much team awake kit
1: I am for this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. again, it kind of stops at the sleeve, which is annoying. Mm. Um, if it kind of went full way, yeah, I'll go with you there on the home kit. I don't like these as much as the Dundee. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I think it, I would certainly. The, the Dundee away kit, I think, is is one of the best this season that I've seen so far, anyway, without giving the game away. Um,
0: uh, but, if if you don't have these up just now, listen to the audio, check out the Sofa Manager Instagram page, um, and these will be appearing in due course. Yeah, we'll try and get some kind of
1: indents off them without kind of breaking too much rules. Indeed. Um, we'll see how far we can get. Um, I can't remember who I've got next, so I apologise. Um, oh. Oh, so I'm rough and I had to get these were shocking. So ignore like, the kind of weird fuzziness; that's not actually part of the design.
0: Yeah, another freaking Macron uh, ma- piece. I, can, yeah. I, I I was wondering I if I'm saying, macaron, like, like. see, I'm worried I get mixed up with the French president as opposed to like because you've got Macron, and then you've got is it Macron or Macron?
1: I'm gonna look it yeah, up. Well, ma- Macron's president as well. Bad you call it Macron as the sponsor or the short design, I should say. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, these are actually that bad. I would need to see them with like someone actually wears them to like properly make my mind up. Cause I don't know by how much the kind of shiny red kind of um, diagonal stripes are really kinda of, on those kind of strips.
0: So uh, um, it is macron, sorry John. Uh, I'm problem. not gonna lie, the home kit looks very similar to what it always has been for our broth. Yeah, it's just um, traditional for them. Like. Yeah, black one's pretty much exactly the same.
1: They, they've missed a trick in the black one if they had made the badge like black on black like what they would do for the Dortmund tops and the Germany top yeah I think that would be a lot more kind of sleek than having a kind of random purple badge yeah just like kind of shoved on there as a kind of not quite an afterthought but it doesn't fully set into the shop so yeah. I don't think I'd bother buying that and I don't, I don't mind that kind of maroon-ish colour shirt so I'd probably like, buy that in the sale. oh
0: you big jambo Johnny
1: uh, a little bit I like, know the green shot that I'm wearing, like
0: um, I'm just looking at on the Makarov website just now by the way they've got like freaking oh the Italian shirts you can buy like Hellas Verona and uh, Bologna Bologna I was going to say yeah Ternana right okay that's a whole other day
1: Eh. Uh, didn't, didn't get me doing that rabbit hole like, No no we no, no, no. Face, like...
0: The Awake it stick it in the bin Home kit uh, Nah, like, it's not
1: bad. Put it it's awards.
0: Good. Yeah, it's just, it's just a double kit. You, know? nah, the, nah. you wouldn't be surprised if they'd had that for two years, for example.
1: Exactly. It could have been last year, so we just never knew. Yeah.
0: And the
1: next one is Partix Home and Away. Ooh. So this is a bit kind of I'm like, straight up, I don't like the home kit because I just don't like red and yellow as a kind of color scheme. <laughs> right. just, I've just never liked it, but I do really like that away kit.
0: So O'Neill's the kit manufacturer here who I think are more known you see them in Irish bars across the land with all the Irish university students who have brought their sort of do they not make all the kit for like the Irish football and football and all
1: that, I think that's their niche market
0: Yes, so the home kit's kind of just as ever what's that pattern they've got? They've got like a vertical yellow stripes and then they've got these more kind of horizontal on the vertical red stripes, it's weird yeah, home kit's fine. Away kit is banging. Like it's yeah it's it's just got the right kind of level
1: of colour for a white kit. Yeah.
0: You've it's got actually... the sort of plain white yellow badge, which is different. It's quite cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then sort of down your underarms you've got a sort of upside down <laughs> Germany, Belgium flag, um, with the three stripes covered out mm-hmm. red, yellow, black.
1: It has got a kind of feel of a kind of like, as you can say like a, a, a german or a, a belgian like a It's like kit and um, it's got, kind of, it's, it's got a, almost a 90s vibe to it it's, it's really weird but i I'm absolutely rate right it i think it's really cool
0: i agree with you and i think it strikes a good balance in that this 90s nostalgia stuff is really annoying me at the moment and i think some people are kind of going too hard on it like to the point where last season we had some we had some like real try hard kits mm-hmm. that this one just strikes a really nice balance it's quite modern they're not too over the top with the retro it's not got all these stupid patterns or anything on it no clean classic uh, is it better than the dundee ones see no <laughs> but the, the only thing is i really like the dundee ones because of the colors
1: yeah, but I like the design as well, that's the thing, I think just everything about those kits are just absolutely on point.
0: If this was black, this would look really cool as well, but then so you, you wouldn't would... have had the black stripe, it would have been white, which wouldn't have been as cool. Yeah. It's it's like, in between the Dundee Home and Away kit, depending on which one you think is better. Uh, you, you, oh. would,
1: you would buy it, no doubt about it, you would buy it.
0: I think yeah. You know, if you're a Partic Thistle fan, you're going in the shop this year buying the away kit. You're not buying the home kit if you've already got one. Yeah, because I mean that,
1: believe it or not, is actually I think it's the ladies' top rather than the men's because the men's one's completely sold out and I can't find it on the website.
0: <laughs> As we say, the sponsor's actually a bit smaller on it, and it's like uh, it's tapered. It's like
1: it's, um, it's, it's slightly different shape in certain places, um, but that that is the away the the women's sort of top of the version. But it's the mm. same same design same, same
0: design. Uh, Okay,
1: but it shows the popularity of the kit,
0: yeah. That's the, the second and a half best kit we've seen so far, I think. Yeah, nah, I would agree. Okay, what, what um, we got up next? The Clyde. <laughs>
1: it goes down pretty rapid um, decline, I'm afraid. I think this is the ones where, like, sorry, boys, this this just goes in the bin. Um, the there's a story about this The the home, home top is. I think just sort of designed by the club. It looks like a folk top from about 2009 when they got to the Scottish Cup final. Right, it's so almost exactly the same design, mm-hmm. um, almost pure white and in the kind of occasional kind of red sort of Sorry. cuts in the same kind of bottom there. As for the away kit, believe it or not, the Clyde fans voted for this. Right, it a template of five different kits. This right. is the one they chose. Make of that what you will. <laughs>
0: But so red and is that navy blue or black? Horizontal I stripes. It, I
1: think it's black. I think that's the it's, it's a black and red kind of cut. It looks like an old QPR top. Um, I have sort of pictures of Bobby Zamora scoring at Wembley when you see that kind of kit.
0: Oh, funny tweet I saw the other day well, a name I hadn't seen in, any, in ages was someone called Mbappe, a poor man's Agbon <laughs> And I was like, I've not heard that name in so long. Like, I mean, that's I mean, crazy. He
1: was yeah. on, um, I think it must have been like Soccer AM. I, you see these kind of occasional kind of outcuts on Facebook. Uh-huh. Him And uh, what's his name? Jimmy Bullard trying to do the kind of Techers challenge. Uh-huh. That was embarrassing. Like, just like, what? He's just a completely different looking guy because he's not like, he's not obviously keeping athletically fit. You know, he's, yeah. he just doesn't look the same. Yeah. Uh, but we, we digress from what, what is in front of us here yeah
0: <laughs> i mean like the, the home kit i think it like it's pretty good for what a league two league side one, league, league, league one, one side no, okay uh, not that i have different standards per league no. Uh i think the home kit is fine it kind of it suits the sponsor quite well yeah uh, uh it bugs me when they awake it like there's a lot of red in the home kit <laughs> the awake is red Uh what color of shorts are they White shorts, red shorts, black shorts.
1: Funnily enough, they haven't been released yet, um, so it, it could be either. I think.
0: If you've listened to become... previous podcasts, I'm a big fan of shorts. I'm going to start my own mystery shorts box in the future. No mate, ooh, I as well. White Moss Dental is an interesting sponsor. Like it appears that there's got a lot of casuals at their games who are having a lot of fistica fights, who perhaps need quite a lot of dental work done.
1: They do well in Essex.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, if you're a Clyde fan, which one of these do you go into the store and buy? Uh,
1: the home top. Yeah,
0: I, I agree with the home one there, yeah, but if you voted yeah. for it...
1: If you vote for the away top,
0: I, I remember the like,
1: must have been pretty grim.
0: That's the thing, though. Like, Steny did this with her away top as well, and I wouldn't have gone out and bought either of the three options that they were giving, <laughs> so, you know... Their weight top is their way top. How many away kits are these sides really going to be selling? So nah, okay. this is that's the thing. Okay, um, so kind of our first, along with our broth, kind of you know, yeah.
1: So so did, did okay. Uh, I think this is the last one. Um, I've done it right. Yeah, this is the last one. Uh, the Mighty <laughs> Mo. Uh, this has got a lot like the Italy kind of. They've done a lot of work on the home kit and then all of a sudden realised they had to make an away <laughs> kit. <laughs> the way it kind of looks like something i'd put of my bed like
0: okay uh, right describe describe what we're seeing for the audio listeners quickly right.
1: the the way top is not quite a black top it's kind of an extremely dark gray it looks like tarmac and um, that's probably the right kind of color i think it has the kind of humo sort of sh- not quite chevrons kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of on the sides um Badge looks like it's been done off of tracing paper.
0: Ah, but it's um, black on black. They have gone to the effort of changing it.
1: But it's not a black kit. It's like I say, it looks like tarmac. black.
0: I th- I think in an actual picture, the photography of it's not great. It'll be kind of black on black. That's what they're going for.
1: If it's black on black, and I see it in person, I'll maybe change my mind. But at the moment, it you're you're looks like it looks like in some person machine.
0: John. They're in League One.
1: <laughs> nah it looks like a missing piece of like, like a kind of pyjama set like, you know. yeah,
0: but mind uh, see that Dortmund kit from like uh, I don't know if it was last season or the season before that was like the black on black is like uh, super rare and expensive 19,
1: now. 1920 kit, Yeah, I mean you're talking like 5 or 6 thousand pounds if you seriously want that kit
0: but th- this, is, this is what they're going for can I blame no.
1: them I'll see what it looks like in person and as you said I probably will see it quite a lot then <laughs> <laughs> home kit, them. Home home kit, kit is like
0: Bang Denmark bullet. kit but blue, essentially. So uh vertical lines into quarters that are kind of fading out. If you look at the yeah. Denmark throwback kit, it's kind of like that. I uh, I
1: really, really like that.
0: I don't see for me, sometimes these kits can get a wee bit fussy. And that for me, the home kit, is bordering on a wee bit fussy. Don't elaborate on fussy? just too much going on for you. <laughs> I, it's confusing because you've basically <laughs> got those uh, vertical lines, but on the top of the kit they're much thinner than they are on the bottom of the kit. So on the top of the kit, yeah, sure. really thin lines, and the bottom one, they're really thick. So I think that would do well to confuse your opposition. Because they won't really know what speed you're traveling at because they'll be looking at like how quickly the lines are passing by and the top of your body will appear to be going quicker than the lower half of your body.
1: Ah, okay, um, hey, so it's the Doppler effect. Aye, okay.
0: Yeah, as a physics teacher, it. John, you've, you've led me right there. It's a sort of a visual perspective. It's, it's, it's the Big Bang Theory for me. Yeah. Um,
1: for me, you're right, I, I do take that point. I, I still like it because I think it's a little bit different. Um, I, I, I think maybe even like in a... Lighting that they've kind of done on the picture probably helps it a little bit. Um, I think really if, they had, if they had, if they would either had the, all the shapes going from like the whole length of the shot up and then kind of fading at the top, or vice versa, all the way down, it probably yeah. would have worked a little bit better. But nevertheless, I think it's a fair effort. For me, wonder that's pretty
0: good. I I wonder if you walked into the pub, you're going to get noticed more with a home cat. You're gonna blend in a bit more with the away kit and I I think the away kit's a little bit more style oriented because yeah. of the black and black. It's a bit more subtle. Right. You're a Montrose fan, you're you're definitely buying the home kit, aren't you?
1: I would buy the home kit, and like I say, the away kit. The away kit's the kind of thing if you go to a bar and they say there's no football colours, you can wear that kit. But...
0: i I've never seen anyone wear a Montrose kit, to be brutally <laughs> honest. Um yeah, I quite, I quite like the away kit. I quite like the away kit. Just the home kit's a wee bit too fussy for me. Those chevrons aren't even solid blocks, are they? They're also uh, like, they like, sort of pin-striped. Just a, just a wee bit too fussy. For that reason, it's the away kit for me. I uh,
1: don't know. I mean, when they're playing in a really kind of miserable day in Peterhead, they'll blend in. Peterhead will don't know where they are. You know, Montrose one five nothing. They'll think it was shadows. Like it's,
0: it's the black on black though. For. It's it's classic. It's like getting the Mac black car with the black wheels and <laughs> like you know that's the that's the sort of vibe they're going for. And it's I'm pretty really. sure there's lots of uh, rollers in Montrose with their matte black Teslas, blacked <laughs> out wheels. You know, Escalades, G wagons, all that good stuff. And now they're going to have their uh, their black away kit to go with it. oh, fair play. No, no, no right in. <laughs> If Bunt you're a Montrose fan, <laughs> that has a black on black vehicle that, to go with your black on black Montrose away kit,
1: we sponsored by Narcos shortly. No?
0: Well, uh, um, but yeah,
1: that that is the the last one off the oh, sleeves, I'm afraid. Um, sh- we'll, um, try not to break things again. Um, so our
0: ch- our champions for this week, uh, clearly Dundee. Oh, Dundee by country mile. Yeah. Uh, so we'd go Dundee. Then who do you have them setting? Partick or Dundee United?
1: Oh, I think Dundee United just I think that that away kit and yeah the home kit is actually quite nice as well so they out of them second
0: on the balance I would agree. Would you put the Partick away kit above the Dundee United away kit?
1: No, I'd put the Partick away kit over the Dundee United home kit though.
0: Okay, yeah, okay, I'm with you there. Uh, who's our third place? Well, you'd okay. probably put Montrose. So, oh, so you put Montrose behind Dundee United and behind Partick?
1: Yes, I think that that. A oh, week kit just does nothing for me. What about the home yeah, kit though? Go. I'm going for oh, the individual I'm,
0: rankings.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So Dundee one and two. Dundee away three. Uh, oh, part Parting away four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montrose home kit five, and then the rest. just
0: so on and so on. Um, Yeah, I would agree. But thank you for that selection. It's nice to, it's especially nice to see some of the lower league uh, bits and bobs. Uh, if you go on, it's quite cool because the Ventrose ones I think are sold by a website called Football Nation and they Mm -hmm. sell like the Airdre kits and stuff as well Uh, all of which seem to be like 40 quid so if you can't be bothered paying the 65 or 70 is the going rate for some of the bigger shirts these days uh, then look towards your uh, lower league clubs That's Uh,
1: exactly it I was actually pleasantly surprised at the kind of prices that they were kind of flicking through, I mean I've I've been through every single club, so I kinda of roughly have an idea. You're anywhere between 48 pounds roughly for a premiership team out with the old firm. I don't know how much Aberdeen are charging for theirs, I never got that far in. Uh, but
0: probably on the 50 pounds
1: for 48 to 50 pound mark for a kind of reasonably sized premiership team.
0: Yeah.
1: Same again into the kind of championship. Folk are inexplicably charging forty-eight quid for their kits as well and then it started to kind of drop down a little bit from there, so you can be in the I think a few of them even for 35. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting as well with the, so having these uh, almost kind of third parties kind of coming in for, sort of looking after some of the smaller clubs. I know Falkirk are looking to partner up with Greavesport, who are already looking after, I think, Pollock and Party Thistle. So when you go to the website, They've got like it, it's got like a couple of the kind of bigger teams, and then it's got Parthy Thistle and Pollock F.C.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, who's clicking on that? Like, that's all well and good, but like um, the I can't even find the Aberdeen home kit on their website. Um, was, Yeah, my problem with Greaves is they're based in freaking Glasgow. Um, for a start, but it, it's nice to see that these things are more accessible because. Like back in the day, um, you know, it would have been a nightmare to get hold of. Uh, I actually don't think Aberdeen have any of the home kits left at the moment, <laughs> or they're just not for sale. Oof.
1: I mean, it is quite nice to be
0: fair. It's nice to. I actually really like the the SPFL like numbering this year is really cool. It's a bit more edgy and square than it has been in the past. Um, right. So the numbering is actually quite smart. But yeah, you know, the fact that I can go online and like if it takes my fancy, I can go and get like an AirJ top or something like that. Really cool. Um and I can only help these clubs, you know, if you're seeing like Air United shorts and like Dunfermline kits, you know, all the way down in Woolwich, uh, you know, that's really cool. And it's it's a much more interesting badge of honour than like a, a PSG top or a Chapa Coense, uh Umbro shirt or something like that. Um, so I will. I'll certainly keep an eye on the Steny ones. Actually, I do like them. Um, so yeah, has anyone ever picked you up in public for wearing like a Falker top or something down south before?
1: No, never. I've had a few funny looks in general, but uh, <laughs> nothing for what I'm wearing. Yeah, I get a few for wearing like, uh kind of, if I've been in Scotland stuff, I get funny looks. Yeah. yeah, I've got like a kind of Scotland polo shot and a uh, training top, which I try not yeah. to wear that much at the moment. I other bet... than that, no really. I've had a, I've had a few i had a guy to be fair, I was wearing uh have got like a Stuttgart training top that I've battled to pieces, like just because I like going out and about and and this guy started talking to me in German and I was like, I have oh. absolutely no idea what you're saying to me. But he thought he thought obviously I was a, a a German football fan.
0: So you're gonna be wearing those Brazilian tops way more often then, aren't you, John? Yep, absolutely. we <laughs> we'll see where it sticks. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, no, it brings up an interesting point though, and I've seen like all over the news this week, they've been back on going to these like uh football kit places and stuff like that, because people are now buying more retro shirts than they are buying like some of the current stuff. Unless you're yeah. a fool like a fool like me, listen to previous podcasts for more information on that. Um but it brought up the fact, you know, like on the back of my Scotland shirt, I'm getting Andy Constantine's name. I'm thinking it's a bit rare, it's quite unique, it's quite quirky. And they kind of go back and they show you like I think a like a, a mid nineties England kit with like gas going on the back is now going for like four five hundred quid. Yep. Um, so who? What? What do you think would be a good pick for this year, John? In terms of like the footballing stock market, if you're going to get a player's name on the back of a shirt, what do you think is going to stick with? Do you, have you ever actually got any printing on one, any of your shirts before?
1: Nah, I, I hate it. Okay. I know that's probably quite the only I've got two they're both Newcastle tops. I've got one my very first kinda get that kind of bottom old money. Uh I've got like a god, what was a year? Say fourteen fifteen uh Newcastle tops got like brown ten on the back. And I've got given a Newcastle top again with Bruni twenty one for my twenty first birthday off all like you a couple of my weeks and that. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I have kind of been gifted or not can kind I of bought it randomly was a Schalke talk with Rakitic 10 on the back I think it's match one and it's been signed by the current Serbia manager I can't remember his name who must have been playing for Schalke at the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: out of that the hand that was 2006 2007 but other than that I I think if you get even a player name on the back of it you're kind of tainting it because you're kind of limiting the amount of people who are actually going to buy it I mean, there's a lot of them going. You could you could buy like, I was a really weird one. because so I bought like a Benfica top, eh, which should be arriving sometime this week, and you could get it with um, some really kind of strange names on the back. and I was like, I don't know who any of these people are, but there were ten quid more. Like, why? I don't know who, who don't... they are. <laughs>
0: The thing is right. So, see with the hockey jerseys, like I pretty much now can't buy them without a number on the back because it just completely makes the jersey. It right.
1: does make the jersey for for hockey stuff, absolutely, and the same for baseball tops, uh, even for NFL. You know, that's that's the design. Yeah,
0: for football tops, yeah, I kind of, especially now because you're, well, I suppose they're kind of going after the American sports because they pay hundreds of dollars and things for their jerseys and stuff as well. Uh, I I like it. I think it's cool for remembering a moment like I have an Aberdeen top with a Luko 11 on the back eh, who they meant to play Rangers it's kind of like if I got a Mulgrew top <laughs> kind of earlier down the line yeah, I wouldn't be one of these guys like burning them or anything like that but you know
1: you could take it to kind of low levels I mean I could have had like Miles Hippolyte on the back of a Falker top and then my
0: my brother had one with Afiès on the back.
1: <laughs> yeah, with the following season that goes in place for Dunfermline. I no longer can wear that Falker top at all to a Fokker game ever again because it's tainted. I can't do it. Nah, you just leave a blank. You
0: you'd know. have to be a. I say you'd have to be unlucky, but quite a lot of Falker and the Dunfermline players have gone backward and forward. Yeah. Um, it's the same.
1: Like, how would you feel like if you all of a sudden found yourself in, like an Aberdeen Rangers game, right? And you're wearing your Aberdeen top with a look on the back of it.
0: Like that. great, John. Because that gives us common ground to have a chat, and we can all say how brilliant we thought Sonny Elico was, and how much we each respect each other as football yeah, fans. I'm
1: sure that would go down well at that
0: it's big event. <laughs> that's exactly what that would happen. We'd uh, we'd high five, shake hands, go for beer. It'd be great. Um, yeah, like it's it's not ideal. Uh, it's better that than getting your own name on the. Well, I don't know. Don't it's kind know. of
1: 50-50, I think. If you get your own name in the back, you are Adam and you are keeping that jersey forever. I think, for the most part, you do anyway.
0: Yeah, that's um, true.
1: A few mean are speculative investments. Um, so I do keep the tags on a few, but that's that's just the way I, my mine works.
0: I think, you know, these. I've kind of come to the decision now that these things are meant to be worn. You know, this this shirt can go for, I think, about £100 these days, in reasonable condition. Um, but it is in reasonable condition. Uh, but I have no intention of selling it because, you know. Exactly. That's what it is. If the Fly about it falls off one day, the Fly about it falls off someday. You know. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to get you an Aberdeen top with brown eight on the back yeah. of that. Then, then. I, I, I wouldn't no. <laughs> <laughs> the shadow. It's like the best, like, finally. A lot of people seem to be getting that, actually. I saw uh, when they were posting you know, mean, on Twitter.
1: Kind of back to your thing about them. Um, who would you kinda of get your know, if you look at the kind of messy and Ronaldo old kits, like the values of them were just going through the roof? I you would probably look at uh, probably getting Ericsson on the back of a Denmark top, or pay that would be a pretty penny. Mm,
0: I could make a really bad joke just now that would be in poor taste, so I won't do that. No, I
1: don't do that. Are you sure? I could yeah, do it. Even I'm I'm partial to those kind of jokes. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Just that'd be a good check. A few, um, well, like even if you had a really old one with like loud drop or something on the back, that's you sort of. No, I mean, I, I'm sure i tell
1: you. The sort of my dad has a Scotland top from Spain '82, mm-hmm. immaculate condition, medium as well. is always the kind of the kind of price point you want. Mm. It was like 250 quid to, uh, as a resale. Really? I was like, "Are you sure?" Because I mean, like you've worn it against the Czech Republic. You won it during the game and we've lost again yeah uh, you should sure just don't want to get rid of this pocket of 250 quid <laughs> that's
0: the thing like that see those last few weeks especially that was the time to shift your, that, your that like you want
1: dead stock away 100 that was the time
0: uh, i think you know i'm definitely more of a collector than a, a trader i think that's kind of much your sort of a uh, side of things as well so i mean i collect them
1: because i'm I'm not much of a hoarder, but that's this is like the one thing that in football scarves, which is probably a topic for another day.
0: But it's um, cool because it's A
1: collection it's... of football scarves.
0: <laughs> but that's like it's memories, isn't it? And it, I, I buy
1: a, I buy a scarf every time I go to a new ground. So unless it's like a for a Falker game, so I've got scarves from every single stadium I've ever been to, uh, all over the world. No, and
0: I think it's, that's really it's cool. I think it ties to a location better than like a postcard or a Keering or like a Polaroid of you yeah. drinking some local beer or something like that would. So
1: Tenants outside the San Ciro. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: that too. They love tenants' export over there, funny it's enough.
1: Not, that was the weirdest experience of my life. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> but I suppose it's like us drinking Peroni. Like Peroni to them will just be like tenants uh, to us.
1: Tenants are this.
0: Yeah, so it's got a weird conundrum there. Um. Stephen O'Donnell was saying some stuff this week, you were saying.
1: Yes, um, I kind of feeds back into the kind of Euro chat. Um, and I kind of suppose it goes back to kind of Pat Evans' kind of comments as well and his, his autobiography.
0: So what you've said there, John, is I've fed this in at completely the wrong time. <laughs> yeah,
1: we've overshot by, by a long way.
0: <laughs> it like
1: one my, it's, it's a laugh. now Stephen O'Donnell said a bit, uh, I can't work out whether he's having a moan about being criticised. Or whether his, his kind of words have been taken out of context, and I think this probably feeds into like the kind of how the media are perceiving, sort of how how he's reacted to almost like make him not quite look like a villain, but he's a wee bit against the Tartan Army a little bit. For, basically, right. he says the criticism he received after the Czech Republic game was vastly over the top, and at the same rate, the praise he got after the England game was vastly over the top. Yeah. so he was he was like how can you go for like how can you swing so violently for, for one to other he says it's a bit ridiculous and it affected him sort of mentally and, and all that kind of thing which i do get but well, I, a, I, an interesting point of kind of conversation
0: yeah i actually think there's, there's a lot to this discussion because of the sort of volatility of the nature of social media these days um but I would definitely say that the comments after that first game, definitely, certainly if he's seen them, which he sounds like he has from the comments he's seen he seen some.
1: There. I think he's, he's tried his best to avoid them. I mean, how can you when the entire nation is berating you? Like,
0: but then that gets you pumped. You know, I think if, you, if you're a player of a certain mentality, you get psyched up for the next game because you're like, right, that's what you think of me? I'll show you what I can go and do. And he did. And I don't think we really have too many complaints whether him in the final game because i thought they all played pretty poorly there um i do think um you know you have to bear in mind you know and what we do on a day-to-day basis i think we can both reflect on this john you can uh, work on phones taking calls all day i'm a school teacher you know up in front of you know a classroom of kids if we are doing badly we will be told in no uncertain terms that we are not doing a good job Mm -hmm. um and that often comes with no thought from the person down the other end of that line. Um, you know, be it in whatever. I do think, especially in this day and age, there is a real problem in social media of people not considering the other perspective of things or just just not being able to... Everything's so polarising these days. Like, you know, I'm 100% right, you're 100% wrong. There's no in-between on that. Um, and I think with Stephen O'Donnell, um, he is a man who is, you know, at the edge of his performance envelope. Um, 100%. Who, uh, um, like everyone was. to, You know, to go out and to struggle in the very first game of an international tournament, which we haven't been in for 20 years, when you've been playing against complete dross the whole season. Like, <laughs>
1: like, it wasn't like entire- he was playing in the English Premier League. Right.
0: Well, at best, there are three good teams in the Scottish Premiership. And if you play against St Johnson in a cup, there are four. Yep. Um, beyond that, it's total dross. So, this guy in his first game was coming against guys who are playing in the Italian big leagues and the German big leagues. And he's been trying to face down. Which I think he would be a a bad, like, you know, Chris Burke or something like that will be running at him week on week, you know.
1: Um, I mean, the biggest challenge he's probably faced has been like, ironically enough, Borna Barasic.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> been playing for Croatia. Um, your point's absolutely spawned. I mean, there's two things to take for Stephen O'Neill. He, he was absolutely pilloried from the first game and it wasn't his fault. And and this is a big point because he was played, he was told to attack, and he doesn't do attacking. Like mm-hmm. that's just not his game. That's why he looked so good against England because he had to defend, and he he's he is really really good at that kind of side of his game. And again, he looked a little bit kind of shaky in the final game because again he was expected to attack. So it's really difficult to criticise a guy who's doing a job he's not set out to do. Like how that that's just so counterintuitive. You have got to criticise the guy who's put him there in the first place. Like I think that, I... that sticks in the
0: throat. He's the one that's there as well. You know, people are saying these things. They're not the people who are starting for Scotland in an international tournament.
1: Right, he, uh, he's never it down. And he, you know, he, he
0: rose up to it and he still took it. Like, I, I also think that invalidates most of our opinions that we use in this podcast because we are not professional footballers and therefore, you know, our words are kind of meaningless. And I, I, it's that sort of thing where, you know, people are very edgy in their thoughts sometimes. And I think, for example, John, you yourself... Have said things to Falkirk Football Club that you perhaps regret now. Would Something. that be a fair things to say? Yeah, from a distance, <laughs> I. I'm recalling some pretty strongly worded tweets towards the end of last season.
1: Some of them would merit you This is the thing. I,
0: yeah, but hold on. None like, of no, them no are personal. Yeah.
1: The, the, the,
0: C- can I can I bring up your Twitter account? <laughs> formed at an entity. But then, then who are you? Who are you targeting those thoughts at, though? Yeah, it's, it's formed at an entity. Like it's, that's that's the difference. But then that, it's never going to get through in that sense and um, I, that's the thing that always confused me. Like In my time working for football clubs it was always so frustrating to see all these media people work really hard to put out highlights to put out interviews and stuff like that that would then just get rafts of dislike and anger on social media which had nothing to do with the product they were producing but had everything to do with the, the product of the park and the nature of football as a de-stressor in particular is you essentially pay a fee of money to shout <laughs> at some young ah. lad <laughs> for 90 minutes, be it good or bad. And that's just, I think it comes with being a professional footballer. Some of it, I like, you know, so, some so of it. Is,
1: you can probably put it down to being that is just an occupational hazard. I mean, to a lesser extent I get it on a daily basis at my job, I mean, I do with this girl I, I can't I would lose my job if I spoke my mind. But um, you know, I expect that it does a lot of damage to me and it has done a lot of damage to me over the last couple of months, but you know, you you expect it. I mean, you're never gonna kind of go into the job not doing it. I mean, if you're a linesman, there's no way you've existed in football to not know that a linesman is going to get absolute dogs of yeah. use. For ninety minutes, similar the referee, okay. they do it, and they're a special breed. And you know, I, 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 they must have some kind of mentality to think this is okay, or like I can deal with this. I'd be amazed to kind of know what it is at the end of the day. Maybe, oh, John, we well, are back. I'm back. You right. as well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> temporarily <laughs> lost during that mid rant there. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's the thing if you are a footballer you are incredibly fortunate to be doing what others dream of doing and you do need to be aware that you are going to get some stick i think if people are giving you stick about your performance you know whatever that's fine you know they are paying punters and um, it's what they're there to do i think there are ways and means to do it i don't think obviously things like death threats are acceptable racist abuse are not acceptable um you know, you don't deserve to live and things like that. Again, not acceptable. Um, again, even it's fine shouting at someone on the day like you're not playing well. I think after the fact tweeting someone like that, it's, it's, it's personally not what I would do. Mm. Um, but, you know, for example, so see the stuff with um, Naomi Osaka recently, you know, the tennis player. Nah. I'm not a big tennis fan, <laughs> so yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> minor tournament going on, you know, not that far from me at the moment, John. Fill the right nice, <laughs> well, there you go. Um ready up here. But she recently has refused to do press interviews and stuff like that because of the negative impact on her right, mental quite, right? health. Yeah. Well, but it's part of the job, you know? Do hmm. you say that her profession is to be a tennis player,
1: not to be a PR Individual,
0: yeah, but I'm sorry, John. Who pays the bills for these tournaments?
1: Some of the sponsors, but what is the sponsor getting out of her doing an interview? It's not just,
0: but it's not just the sponsors, it's the television companies who you know are needing to oh, show we're, that's what we're all tuned in for. Like, if you I, have a bad match, I want to know what you thought of that.
1: that I'd I, I take that point if, if the commentators and pundits were asking appropriate questions rather than. What did you think of the game? Just like shoving the mic in front of their faces like that—that's irrelevant. That tells me nothing. I've already watched it. I know. I've made my own opinion on on that. Like, if they were actually informative and they asked sort of meaningful questions, particularly after the game, I don't. Again, I don't want to watch an instant reaction from a footballer like immediately after the game. I don't want to hear the immediate thoughts of a manager because they're not going to give you a true reflection on the game. Like. I, i've never been a big fan of that either there's a there's a time and a place to have those kind of conversations and to do those kind of interviews and have those kind of media sort of presences just after a game just before a game it's not appropriate like because fundamentally you're there to do your job like you're there to play football your player play tennis and you have to be in that mindset forget about everything else
0: like, oh yeah you have to be focused on it at the time I do think it's part of the job, and if you're getting paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions, then I do think you have to deal with that, and uh, I don't know, I, I've seen some football interviews that have been particularly antagonistic sometimes, and they are looking I, for the comment, but you have to the handle line, that. Yeah, yeah, but you have I mean, they, they ha- to
1: the, They've got the fishing rod, and they're just ready to kind of wind these guys in. I don't like that, I mean, it's, that's, it doesn't tell you anything.
0: It's part of the game, it's part of the drama, you know, it's part of the sports, you have to deal with it. Um I deserve, I, what does wind me up is have you seen these bt adverts uh, about this uh love football club or something it's this campaign to stop like online abuse oh, and stuff like that
1: um oh god i know what you mean though
0: the, the, the big think it's called there you go yeah. uh, what on earth is that going to achieve like if you're a punter sat behind your keyboard dishing out all the worst abuse of the day that's not going to turn your thoughts process around. Personally, the only thing that is going to affect these people is if they're just banned from all these social media platforms, which it is impossible technically. It goes both ways. Would you not agree, though, Like if,
1: if it were me, and I don't be really... Because uh, I'm not in that position, obviously. I'm not that famous. <laughs> um, you know,
0: would you not... Oh, no, you? 198 subscribers on YouTube with uh, hundreds of audio listeners a week. But would you not just
1: turn off your social media? Like... I know yeah. it's that sounds very basic and probably crass, and the people in that position are going, obviously, that's a solution. But is is it is that the is that the simplistic thing? Is that if you have like what they kind of did, I mean, uh, for twenty four hours, and even then some outlets were still posting the media blackout for twenty four hours. If you did that over a consistent period, that strikes the social media platforms into doing something about it because their revenue is immediately doing the tubes. That's right And that's, that's how you put pressure on these guys to start actually investigating reports of racial abuse, homophobic abuse, and all that kind of thing. You know, it, it kind of comes both ways a little bit. So I, I think they need to get themselves a bit more organised on that front to start putting pressure on the social media platforms because they're not going to do it off their own back. Why would they? it costs cost money. Like,
0: I mean, the thing is, this is a duty
1: of care, but at the same rate, I mean, they they are just so corporate and like yeah a, again they don't have a face they're just an entity so they don't
0: oh, care it's not in their best interest to almost or stop no, these I mean, things uh, and this is this is a problem that's existed forever in the existence of sport you you've seen we no, still have a massive problem with sectarian chants and stuff like that uh, but
1: I think that because it wasn't a social media presence anymore I mean. That brings everything into life so everyone has a say and everyone can get their voice out there. If you take social media out of the equation, you go back to you take abuse for ninety minutes inside a stadium, if you see in the street, you know, some mingling that will give you some abuse. And then that's about it. That's your interaction. Because like they'll only phone you up. Maybe one or two of them will write you very angry letters and sort of illegible kind of handwriting.
0: Faxes. (laughs)
1: it's <laughs> actually just 40 <laughs> days since they're going to come through but at that point you've already yeah. to the club like
0: yeah that's the thing I think
1: yeah, so uh, it's mean, just a fuel to the fire like,
0: but the problem is I, I do understand like a lot of them I'll need it these days from a, 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 a it's like part of the no, it's, just it's part of the machine theory, yeah exactly Ronaldo
1: gets 1.5 million for every Instagram post he makes
0: there you go 1.5 million oh can I just say really bugs me the debate of uh Lionel Messi is a better footballer than Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Ronaldo's a better player. Sorry Darren, but he is. Can I just say who's going to be the better goalie? Ronaldo? What? We got the poor cut. I don't think so. But my light just flickers on enough. so is, is there, if there's a fire that occurs at any point over there then... No. Happy news. Um, <laughs> so that bugs me in that debate because Messi wouldn't be as good a goalkeeper. But... Um, <laughs> So what you is you don't want it on your fives team. Yeah, pretty much. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> we'll come back to that at a later date. But yeah, it's a really good point. I know that uh like Craig Fowler and the Terrace recently just said there's no point in blocking people, but if you mute them, then happy days. It's not really a problem. Like, you know, they don't get the satisfaction of getting blocked and like retweeting about it and things like that. You just don't see it anymore. Um and I, for a lot of these people it'll be an insecurity thing. Um, and I get that, but yeah, a public figure, figure. It's about dealing with it and just ignoring it, and you know, just keep doing your thing because you're in the position that you're in. Um, and fair dues if you're like a a 19 year old footballer about to lose his footballing career. But a lot of these people are are very successful, paid vast amounts of money, and very good at what they do. So you just have to believe in what you believe in what you do. And Stephen O'Donnell, I think actually did use it positively. So I, I think it's it-
1: the content of his comments is spot on. I yeah. think it's just the media trying to kind of make a bit more of a story, manufacture a bit of a story out of this when there isn't really one there. He got criticised, it was a bit over the top. He was praised, it was a little bit over the top. Third game, like he says, everyone was rubbish. So
0: I think uh, traditional media is in a really interesting place because you kind of touched on it there. Like, Do you give one iota of care about what Jermaine Janus thinks?
1: No, no he's not a horrible pundit but you know he's, but do,
0: you, do you care what he has to say about during I that do match not do you care do you care about what Sean McGuigan has to say about the Wraith Rovers game at the weekend
1: yeah
0: I, I, I honestly think we're at a point now especially with this sort of platform here I've seen a lot of Americans talk about it in particular and that nobody's really watching their traditional like in America you've got all those breakfast like NFL breakfast and I stuff know. like that shows um, and people are now going more and more towards, like, podcast networks. They're going towards, like, YouTubes, and I think we're seeing that big shift as well, so that, you know, whatever these people say is becoming less and less relevant, and everyone's now getting this platform to share their voice. So, <sighs> just need to make sure it's for goods rather than bad, and hopefully that's what Sofa Manager does. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> That was the bleakest thing ever.
1: Yeah. As, as it gets darker and darker. Like.
0: As, my, as my light is literally flickering on the budget we have. Um, anyway, I think that, that'll that about round us off for this week then, will it? I'm
1: sure, I'm sure we'll get the kind of no comments.
0: <laughs> I,
1: I can't remember if it was someone on the terrace or if it was someone on an Arkin radio show. Is if people are commenting and giving you abuse, It means they're listening to your content, and that's a positive. (laughs)
0: There you go. We
1: we are waiting. We are waiting the the abuse and and comments to appear.
0: I used to get it all the time on the Instagram account from Rangers fans, and my response to it at the time was "Bye (laughs) bye," and you know, if you don't like what we say, you don't have to listen to us, you know. And if you don't like what someone else says, you don't have to look at them, you know, or just have have a productive debate. Hello, Stephen O'Donnell. My name is Paul. I am a distinctly mediocre footballer who could have made it uh, if I was given the opportunity to perform school earlier in my career. But that's by the by. I don't think you played particularly well against the Czech Republic. Response. I disagree with you, Paul. I thought I played very well. Fair play, Stephen. Thank you for allowing me this cordial debate. Good luck against Ingerland. Happy days. We're all happy. Fold the wharf. And that brings us back to the Rangers' interaction with our Luko shirts earlier as well. So if anyone has one, do send a picture to me we and we can meet up for a cordial discussion. Social distance. Socially distanced. Socially distanced, of course. Of course. <laughs> it has to be added. Anyway, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast or you do have something to say because there is a lot to comment on this week uh, please stick a comment below, I'm sure uh, myself and John uh, will be down there to get the discussion going Um, and again, subscribe to us on whatever platform you are listening give us a like um, and follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter to keep up with all our latest misgivings but I shall say a massive thank you to John Thanks Paul, all the best And it'll be a good evening, a good afternoon, and a good morning from me. Goodbye.